Welcome to episode 31 of the Barbells and Briefcases podcast. My name is Nick Saka. To my left is John Fody. Today, guys, we have a very special guest. We have Pastor Laki Siaki of Win the City Church here with us. Quick little background, Laki is a Bay Area native that has been the pastor of Win the City Ministries for eight years. He's the father of four and a husband of 18 years. He's an amazing human being that has a unique ability to connect with literally anybody. He's one of the best leaders and communicators that we have the privilege of knowing. Win the City does so many positive things uh, for, a lot, for the Las Vegas community. This man has a passion for people and making everyone around him better. We've, uh, we, we all attend this church. Uh, we've all attended this church on numerous occasions, uh, and you're treated like family um, every time you're there. Everyone acknowledges you. Everyone shakes your hand. Everyone's hugging. Uh, just a, an amazing environment to be in. Uh, he's overcome a lot of obstacles to get win the city uh, to this point, and something tells me that he's just getting started. Lockie. Thank you for being with us today. Uh, thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you, thank you, thank you. So that was a long opening, but you know what I mean? I had to... I had to <laughs> and I appreciate that. If you didn't say my name, I didn't know who you were introducing. I was like, man, who's the guest here, man? <laughs> <laughs> All right, so for our listeners that don't know who you are, please share your story with us. Well, thank you once again. Um, you know, uh, my name's Lucky Siaki uh, Rhymes. Growing up, that was a challenge to have that name right there. But as a matter of fact, um, it's a short for my dad's name. It's a Konitelaki, and so he gave me the last four L A K I. Um, usually, when I introduce myself, man, it's it's a Lucky's Lucky Lucky Lucky. I mean, you know what? Call me what you want, man. <laughs> you know. So, but it's uh, it's actually pronounced Lucky so Siaki. Because before we start, we're like, hey, so do we say Lucky? Yeah. It ends up to be yes. It ends up to be Lucky, and so you know. But that that's God, man. Send a pass out here named Lucky. You know, to Las Vegas. But yeah, a little bit about me. Born and raised in San Francisco. Uh, California, um, met my beautiful wife there. We got married in the year 2000, been together since 96, had our first daughter in 97. Uh, don't judge me. We weren't married yet, but, um, had our daughter in 2000. We, uh, got married July 18th. So we're celebrating. We just celebrated 18 years this past wow. July. And, um, yeah, and thank you. No arguments, uh, stress-free. Uh, we never disagree on anything. I'm lying. Um, and so it's been, it's been ups and downs and, um, thank God there's more ups than downs, but my beautiful wife, Caroline, and then I got my four children, um, Deja, uh, she's my oldest. She's going to be, she's going to be 21 in two days. And so, yeah, I got a 21 year old. Yeah. Oh my God. And so she was able to receive her AA degree, um, this past, you know, um, July. Um, and so, which is a milestone for us. I mean, I didn't graduate from college, neither did my wife. And so for that, you know, we thank God. And I got my senior in high school, May. Um, she's going to be graduating this year, pursuing her career um, or pursuing her, her sports career, throwing a discus. Mm -hmm. And so she's looking to go to San Francisco State University. So she wants to go back to the, back to the to Bay the Area. Home. Yeah, man. Yeah. <laughs> this is actually her home, but she wants to make San Francisco her home like daddy and mommy. Yeah. But it's all right. Let her go and, and figure it out. But we're, we're excited for that. Then I got my, my, my two young ones, um, McKenna. Um, she's 13, um, currently at soccer practice with her mom right now. And so she loves that seventh grader. And then my son, my one and only boy, Nehemiah. And, uh, man, he's just a handful and a blessing, you know. So, But we got a little Sharpay at the house, uh, Frisco with a K, you know, not gang-related, but just with a K. Thought it was cool to name her that. And then, um, but uh, other than that, man, we've been here, moved to Las Vegas in the year of 2010. 
um, been in ministry for eight years, um, currently going on nine in you know this upcoming year, and so it's been a it's been a blessing. Um, like you mentioned in the the, the opening, there's been some challenges, um, but God has been with us throughout it all, and so just so excited. You know, once again, thank you, Bars Barrels and Briefcases for bringing uh, me on here. Just so honored, man. So thank you guys so thank much. You, thank you. Uh, <clears throat> this is a good follow up question. At what point did you know that you wanted to uh, inspire people and, and, and work and, and, and be a part of or inspire people through the word of God? Yeah. You know, um, at what point did you realize in your life, you know, because I feel like you could have gone in so many different directions. But, you know, like, but, but you know, but here you are. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so like, so talk to us about what inspired um, you to, to, to go this route. You know, um. As a, as a kid, I would always get in trouble, you know, for uh, speaking too much, you know, talking too much in class, you know, get written up and things. So my mom's like, do you know how to just shut your mouth? You know, when you go to school, shut your mouth. And, and I didn't know what God was doing. And back then, I always had a heart to help people. And um, I didn't know that I had uh, I, I had that heart as a, you know, as to pastor, you know. And so I never saw that as a young kid growing up. But I also recognized that God was... um. He was doing some things in my life, you know, so a little bit more about me. I didn't mention it, but uh, I was adopted as a child. And so um, I found that out when I was roughly about 10 years old. And that's when my dad had passed away. So when he found out that his health was declining, he kind of reached out to me. The youngest of the five, I have three sisters and one brother. He reached out to me and let me know, son, um, you're not from, uh, you know, you're not from us. You know, you're adopted. And so that was like. It changed my entire world, you know, wow. because as a kid, I was thinking, no wonder I look different. You know, <laughs> I'm growing around, you know, my, my sister, uh, my sisters are darker. My brother's six, three, you know, and I'm thinking to myself, what in the world is this five, seven, you know, Italian slash, you know, uh, Hispanic looking guy running around in this house, you know. <laughs> and so um, that just made a whole lot of sense. Well, it brought a whole lot of pain you know at that time and so my dad passed away so it left some uncertainty my mom was left to raise us up lost our home in san francisco um basically just the whole thing just dropped you know the, the bottom dropped out from us and so i'm moving from house to house staying with family all over the place from sacramento to alameda oakland california and um all those things you look back at it now and you didn't know what god was doing i just felt like why me you know first i'm adopted and you know from a totally different family I've never met. As a matter of fact, still to this day, I'm 42 years of age, and I don't know what, what uh, ethnicity I am. I don't know if I'm, you know, and, and I know people say, you can go you can go get that suave, and you know, you can get that. Uh, yeah, that's great, you know what I mean? But um, I, I kind of like being whatever I want to be right now, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, go to Brazil, what are you? Brazilian, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, so I, you know, I'm not lying, because I don't know, you know? But, uh, but you know, for me, it's like, that's just that's just what it is. Now, I know how to speak someone. Now, I claim I'm someone because um, I was raised by my, my parents who are someone. And, and so I'm, I'm proud to be that. But um, in all seriousness, growing up, um, being adopted, um, it just it just kind of did something to me. So it was almost like a woe is me. Well, you know, forgive me for saying that. But it was like a woe is me spirit growing up. I always felt like like almost like, you know, people owe me because, you know, I went through some challenges. And so as I started growing up and getting closer and closer into, you know, adulthood you know uh i started i started yearning for that father figure I started yearning for that and so i would get close by way of um comedy you know i'm i'm 
I, I can be funny if if oh, I want absolutely. to be. I can see you on stage all the time. <laughs> yeah, man. Nice you know, and, and it's and it's great. And you know, it's great. It's crazy. You know, to to be able to use that. But once again, I was using that comedy um, to get people to like me as a form of acceptance. You know, and I didn't know that at the time. Now looking back, you know, kind of looking over it, I can see it. But at that time, I didn't know what it was developing. So I kind of got, I kind of got, you know, drawn into the wrong. A wrong set of crowd, you know, and um, I started, you know, I always tell people I, I became a, a street pharmacist, you know, where I was out there on the streets and basically just selling narcotics, you know, from whatever, from marijuana to crack cocaine. And, and you know, when you hear that, you kind of like, wow, like, you know, and what age was this? This was at 18. So I got out of high school, graduated from Sacramento um, uh, in Sacramento, California. And when I went down there, I just was like, I want to go back to the Bay. I was a knucklehead, you know, I don't live from, I'm not from Sacramento. I'm from the Bay area, man. And so now you go down to the Bay area and I want to fit in. So just to be able to eat and hang out and sleep in my friend's house, you know, you got to make some kind of money. So we were out there running streets and doing little odd things. And, and it just led me farther and farther astray. Well, I started using my influence in the wrong way. And so going back to that, that, that you know, that question of when did I know I was going to inspire people? I didn't know I was inspiring people all my life, but just to do the wrong thing, you know. And so as I was growing up, you know, I just didn't realize how much of an influence that I was or God had used me to be. So I caught myself, you know, going this route, selling these things. And me and my, my girlfriend, my wife now, um, girlfriend at the time, um, finds out we're pregnant with our first daughter, Deja. And I thought to myself, Man, my parents didn't raise me like this. You know, they they, they, didn't, they didn't do a bad job. I wasn't like, oh, a part of, you know, a victim of the community, you know. No, we had a house, you know. We didn't stay in the projects, you know. Um, my dad didn't sell drugs. My mom wasn't like that. So I chose that route. But I didn't know I had the power to inspire people even through that. So as soon as I found the Lord, I just got so, you know, so, like, excited and so, like, charged up to what just tell people. did you find the Lord? I found the Lord um, when... Basically, uh, I got to the point where I said, my, my daughter's coming in, you know, to this world. I want to be the best father I can possibly be. I got a lot of flaws, and where do I go to? So I started attending a church, and um, that church really opened up my eyes onto what what it is to be a man and what it is to take your right, you know, position as a father. That, that church blessed my heart, you know. As a matter of fact, I pastored that under that church as when we came out here under that current, uh, the past organization. And um, that, that ministry still to this day has been a blessing, you know, um, in my life, you know. And so I never I never despise or, you know, the beginning time. They played an influential part in my in my walk with Christ. And so for me, um, going back, I found the Lord and I was happy. We um, had my daughter and then so a, a switch happened inside you. Yeah. Before your daughter was here. or It was like after because I know. I, know, it, I don't have a kid myself. Yeah. Some people say, like, well, my daughter, you know, I started crying. And yeah. Then, and my mom had changed in the hospital that day. But yeah. you're saying it happened before. It happened daughter. before. Oh. You know, um, when I, I had put my hand on, you know, my, my wife's stomach, and then, you know, you don't feel nothing at the time. And you're just excited. You're putting your ear on her stomach, and you're trying to hear a heartbeat, trying to see a movement. And I just was, like, thinking to myself, man, am I even worthy to be a dad? Mm -hmm. You know, am I even worthy to have this life come into this world? For me to father over her, you know, or him, him, him. At the time, I wanted him to be birthed out. You know what I mean? And so, yeah, I was like a him. And I kept speaking to him and her came out. And so, but, you know, but I, I wouldn't change a thing. But that was my, my whole frame of mind at the time. And so for me, you know, um, it just, it did something for me. And I started to go and I gave up, 
selling. I gave up, you know, doing all that bad stuff um, to a point. You know what I mean? Not cold turkey. I wish I could. I gave it up like that. But I started to, you know, search for jobs. And, you know, because right away you don't know what to do. You don't know where to go. And all my life I knew that. And I'm not trying to turn another question into it. But all I, I knew all my life that corporate America wasn't for me. And that is not what I'm trying to, I'm not trying to attack that. I just knew I wasn't an eight to five kind of guy. You know what I mean? Not to knock any of that, you know, but I just knew that that wasn't for me, you know? And, um, and so when I, when I got into that, uh, I just thought to myself, you know what, let me, let me, let me settle down. Let me, let me start to get a job, you know, and things like that. And I started quitting this job and quitting this job. And it was something else, you know, but going all the way back to the beginning, I didn't know that I was inspiring people. I didn't know that I could lead people to do this. I didn't know. And so I always knew I could help people out. I started to help people do anything. Even when I was doing the wrong, I would I would do the wrong with some passion. I don't know if that makes sense. I would sell them some dope and then they would owe me some money. And then I'll kind of like, you know, okay, just pay me when you get paid. You know <laughs> what I mean? So I just had that little soft spot. And it's kind of weird to say, but I just knew that that wasn't for me. But I just, I just was always a go-getter in life. And so... That really triggered when my daughter made a commitment to give my life to the Lord um, and things like that. But yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't change it at all. You know, some people say if you had something to change, uh, what would you change? And my my answer still to this day is absolutely nothing because I am who I am today because of what I went through. You know, some people say, well, wouldn't you because you'll be farther ahead? I wouldn't know what I know now. You know, now they say good people learn from them and great people learn from others. You know, and so. Huh? Uh, I, I I would rather, but sometimes you do have to learn on your own. You really do. As much as you would want to learn, John, and you, you'd be the best example. I'm learn from you, Nick. You'd be the best. Sometimes Lockheed needs to find out what Lockheed doesn't need to do or does need to do. And so. I feel like that's why you relate to so many different people just from your, your history, your background. Mm. A lot of people, a lot of pastors themselves, I'm sure, haven't been through what you've been through in your life. And yeah. that's, that's something to say. Yeah, I think and, and transparency. I, transparency, that's where I wanted to go is... Uh, I'm sure there's a lot of, a lot of pastors that uh, that probably don't aren't that transparent about mm-hmm. you know maybe who they were um, at an earlier point in their life. So, I mean that's that's awesome. Yeah, <laughs> thank you for sharing that. With no, us. no, no yeah. thank you. Wow. Yeah. Um, so he, this is a straight up question, and, uh, and yeah, um, and it's kind of uh, yeah. I'm just gonna go ahead and ask him because mm-hmm. I don't even know how to ask it. But, but yeah. I'm just, I'm just, here we go. Shoot. But <laughs> Um, who is God? Yeah. Well, you know, the Bible says that in John uh, 4, 24, you know, my, my thing is, um, if you don't, if you don't have like a, um, a, a direct connection from what the word of God says to your belief, there's really no substance because it just basically becomes your opinion. That's just, that's just my outlook. And the Bible says in uh, John 4, 24, I believe that the Bible says God is spirit and those that worship God must worship him in spirit. And in truth. So God is the creator of the world, right? He's our father. He's Abba. Um, the thing is, um, he's the one that was, be, he, he was the one that was able to create things with no materials, you know? So he's, um, I like, I like what Jesus said. Jesus said, he says, I am the I am, you know, basically he can be whoever you want him to be. We're seeing a lot. We're seeing people in this day and age trying to, um, trying to relate. And I think, uh, this, this who is God is so relative to know now, I mean forever, but especially now because people are starting to relate God to their understanding of a father figure per se in this world. So like say if you grew up in a fatherless home, you think this God, you know what I mean, is the God that is um, absent, 
You know, you think this God is a God who's disciplinary. Whatever you think. If your dad was a good guy, you think God is a good guy because you're making it relative. But um, God is spirit, and He work, and, and those that worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. And so just to make that kind of like a little bit more broken down for me, I, I understand that um, that there's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And so God created the earth, sent his son in here. And when, when his son gave up his life, they released the Holy Spirit in. So all three in one is my belief, is that um, that, that, that is God in itself. He's, he's sovereign. Um, God is omnipotent. He's omnipresent. That means he can be everywhere and anywhere at all times. Basically, there's there's just no end to God. He's the Alpha and the Omega. So God is based, basically, to me, he's everything and anything I expect him to be in any situation. And so I think a lot of people, they... Um, when they're, they're, they're challenged, and I appreciate you asking that, they're, they're challenged to ask that because I'll stand, I'll stand here and that's my answer to it. And if somebody hears this and says, well, that was so general, that was so, you know, or I think God is way more than that, that's great based on your relationship with them. But I think trying to explain who he is other than showing you who he is, because I can introduce you to someone, but you actually having relationship with them, that's when the intimacy takes place. And I think that God... Um, you know, when I, when I, I go right back and I think, thank in the spirit of just quickening my, my heart to say it. Um, I, I use that scripture uh, and the Holy Spirit just kind of encouraged me to, to say that, that those that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Um, in spirit means that you gain that intimate relationship with him. You know, um, there's, it's much more than God is absent because one, one, it's unfortunate because God gets a lot of the blame when things are, are, are wrong. And, um, and we can go back and forth and say, well, you know, where is God when kids are sick? Where is God when there's, you know, hunger? Where is God? And you can go on and on. But um, uh, the, thing, the thing is this, is that God is the I am, meaning um, say, say, for instance, there's someone who passes away. And then say, for instance, someone has the same illness but gets healed. So did God show up for one and didn't show up for the other? That's what some people might say. My thing is God was a healer in here. But God is the comforter in this one. God is going to show up either way. But some some of us, we you know, the ideal is healed because I want them to live. You know what I'm saying? And and the thing is, is that okay? So unfortunate things do happen. And one thing I do want to know, I, I do want to say, and I want to have this recorded is, good things happen to good people, right? Well, bad things happen to good people too. You know, and life is just uncertain. You know, the Bible says that we're just like a mist, a vapor, a here today and gone tomorrow. Um, there's certain things that I think pastors do, and, and I can say this as being a pastor. There's certain things that pastors do. They try to make sure that they explain to the fullest on, you know, you should know who God is and explain why everything happens. The Bible says when God reveals things, he reveals things in part. God will never give you from A to Z incomplete. He'll never do that. He'll give you it in part. You know what I mean? And so when people try to like, it just amazes me sometimes when you hear certain people try to go up there and explain why. I've been to funerals and you start hearing people explain why this person died. You know, God needed a, a rose in heaven. I'm like, last time I read the book of Revelations, the streets are paved of gold. It's not dirty up there. You know what I mean? The the gates are 12, you know, it's, it's pearls. You know, it's, uh, his blood was shed. It was red. You know, there's no dirt. There's no garden up there. But people, because they always want to explain and feel the need to, you know, kind of comfort you with their lack of understanding, they just bring more confusion. And the Bible says God is not the author of confusion. You know, and so those those yeah. things right there, I just think that um, to each his own. I'm not against the, 
um, God is this and 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 um, and He's not this. You know, there's a great movie, um, the 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 Shack, um, that we've watched, and um, I highly recommend it. And um, they show if you guys have never watched it, man, I'm pretty sure it's on Netflix by now. It's been a minute, um, but it's 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 a way of showing God show up through different people. So He was going through a struggle with having some kind of you know. Uh, forgiveness issues with his mom and then all of a sudden there's a lady that comes into this and uh, he goes to this area and then he has an issue with like authority and then there's this man in there there's like a position of authority and what it was is was that god was showing himself in all these different right. you know people and and i believe happens, that's who yeah. yeah i believe it i believe it so you know god is within all of us he is yeah. and he really is and you know when we pray and we look up you know, some people are praying, we look up. I think you should start, you know, trying to look within. You know, your, your new prayer is trying to be, you know, yeah. try to cave in, you know, trying to, you know, do a little a crunch or something, you know, <laughs> and see, you know what I mean? Yeah. But try to see because we're, we're praying to God who's a million miles away when he's not there. He's, he's, he's the Bible says the kingdom of God is in us. There's a piece of heaven. And that's what amazes me about a lot of people is that some people want to hurry up and go to heaven, but you're taking the piece of heaven that God has released in you to, to release here on earth. You're taking that back. We, and and he first off we come from there you know what i mean so and yeah, it can just go on and on but that's that's my that's my outlook of that Absolutely. love it perfect so i would love to know what some of your biggest obstacle um or obstacles plural um were in with with win the city with the ministry with getting this to what it is today mm -hmm. you know um i mentioned earlier that we first started um, the ministry under a, a different organization. And um, what it was is that under this pastor, we started here and we basically became um, like a extension church, you know. So um, uh, plant number four or something, you know. Mm -hmm. um, and um, we had to report and go by a certain kind of like bylaws and you know obviously you know you um you have to obey what you know what they restrictions. yeah restrictions and so when we went out there uh we we started the ministry in 2010 and uh, as god continued to just deal with my heart and deal with my heart and deal with my heart um i started to catch myself um oh you know going with what was going on staying within the word of god hearing from what god had to say but i was almost shunning the fact that god was trying to uh not trying to but leading me in the direction of starting something and so I'm a loyal guy. Um, for me, um, commitment and loyalty and um, is is huge, you know. And I'm a loyal guy, not only by culture, um, you know. Obviously, growing up Polynesian, and I'm not, a, you know, um, there. That's big with us. And sometimes we're so loyal, we're disloyal to the person we're supposed to be loyal to. We're more loyal. Um, I, I'm a mama's boy, you know, and I love my, I love me some mama. She, as a matter of fact, she lives with me. I take care of her. And um, when I first began our relationship with my wife. I was almost more loyal to my mom than I was to my wife. And there was challenges. And God had to had to break that up for a minute. Well, he brought it back, but he put it back in his right perspective. You know, so at the time, um, I didn't understand what God was doing. So when we were serving under the uh, other organization, I never walked in here and thought, oh, that's another person's, you know, church. This I'm just I'm just like a supervisor here. No, I took ownership in everything I've done. I never walked in one day and said uh, uh let's, let's let's relax today because From the outside looking in because i uh, i was uh i was a visitor mm. um before the transition and, yeah and i could and i could second that that i thought it was your own you know yeah, <laughs> i appreciate it was, that. I mean, that's, I mean, just yeah. uh, the, the ownership that you took with it so. yeah i appreciate that and um that and like i said part of the being the loyalty i just i just was saying to myself you know what 
I believe in this. He's done a lot for me. And then um, I started to become more loyal, uh, per se, to somebody instead of being loyal to the person that you needed to be loyal for. And so um, my ultimate that I needed to be loyal to was the Lord. And so the Lord was pressing on my heart that this is what he wanted to do. But I felt like it was going to be disloyal, you know. And so um, six years into the ministry, you know, um, uh, I just started feeling that about five and a half, six years into the ministry. And that by far was the most challenging, um, man, situation I've ever, ever, ever faced in my life. You know, um, the Lord had put someone in my heart and um, didn't know what he went through. Hardly knew the guy, but he just put a name in my heart. And so I reached out and called this guy and I told him, the Lord put your name in my heart. It's kind of odd for me to reach all the way across the world. This guy lives all the way across like the world, you know. And I go, um, got your number. And he goes, yeah, man, you can call me anytime. I was like, I know we had it like that, but I was like, I appreciate it. You know, it's kind of odd. And I said, um, I feel like I'm out of bounds talking to you, but this is what the Lord's telling me to do. And as a matter of fact, he he went through the exact same thing in in his side. He's also a pastor. Mm. And he said, I know the Lord told you to reach out to me because I too went through that. And I didn't know. Now, if it was something that I knew, I feel like that's not the right thing to do. It's almost like planning, scheming, you know. But I didn't know. And talking to this guy, he just completely comforted me and brought me some hope. And he said, uh, you know, for lack of better words, you know, he said, hey, man, this this is going to be a real, you know, messed up situation. And he didn't say a messed up situation, man. He said, that, you know, it's going to be a, yeah, yeah, man, it's going to be a, you know, a real crap situation. And and then he said, um, and you're going to feel this and you're going to have to go through this. And I said, wow. And uh, I was thinking to myself, you know. Man, why? You know, why can't it be easier? You know, why can't we just get along? You know, the, the, in a perfect world, you know, you just make the call and you just say, "Hey, I no longer want to do this, and I'm going to part ways, and let's high five and hug and go our way." It didn't work out like that, yeah. and um, and so, man, um, we we transitioned and we made that that call, and uh, I followed what the Lord told me to do, uh, July the second. And I'm a numbers guy, man. I'm I'm the type of of person um, with numbers. I'm really really fast, you know. Uh, and I'm not trying to just throw it out there, but just like multiplication, just 22 times 9, 198, 21 times 8, 168. I could just throw them out. The numbers to me just, just go. I, so, I respect you. I wish I was good at Yeah, you know, but, but God is, uh, he'll deal with me in you numbers. you be a people person and a numbers person? You know, you, <laughs> yeah, that's true. That was part of the street pharmacy. I had to be good at numbers, man. Yeah, you, you had no calculator. You had to do it for the police. You had no calculator. But, uh, you know, you had to, but yeah, but for that, you know, and God called us on um, to to trans uh, to transition to win the city church on um, July the second. Now, when you write that July the second down on your calendar, it's seven o two, you know. Mm. And so for me, He spoke to me in a way where I couldn't have timed that. I couldn't have just plotted that. That couldn't have been something of you know you you know your own selfish you know uh, request. So now we become this win the city. And um, boy, that was the challenge. And the biggest challenge coming up to that point was being loyal to the right person. I was at a conference and um, before we transitioned, and I knew it in my heart. We went to San Francisco, and I knew it in my heart that it's coming to a close. Like I'm, I'm this this chapter in my life is closing, and I and I got to get going with the next one. And so I was sitting there, and I was just, and his pastor was talking. He was talking about. Uh, and uh, as a matter of fact, Randall was at this conference with us, and his pastor was talking about something totally different, okay, than what was going to come out. And then he was in his lane, in his lane, and then he stops, and I'm sitting front row. And he goes, God just told me somebody's loyal to the wrong person. 
somebody's somebody's loyal, but your loyalty needs to be in God. And your loyalty has been out of God. And every time your loyalty is not in God, you're disloyal to him. Okay, I'm going to go back and teach what I'm going to teach. And I go, and, and, I, and I put on my perfect church face and act like it wasn't for me. Like, wow, I wonder, I wonder who is that for? You know, and I'm thinking to myself, good Lord God, you just showed right up. Like, it was almost like pronto. Like, it needs to be, it needs to happen. It, big time. Huge. That's all I hear is just confirmation. Huge. Because of your faith. And, and yeah, and that's the thing. Um, that confirmation is like a hug from God. You know, yeah, when he gives you a word, you're supposed to move on it. But man, you know, when I drive long distance, listen, I, I like to see a road sign saying 112 or 185. You know what I mean? Just bring some kind of, oh, you know, my kids, how longer? How much longer? You know what I'm saying? So now I know. I'm like, hey, two hours. How long is that? Uh, it's two movies, four Disney. You know, you try to make it relative to whatever they can understand. You know, like seven Fortnite games, one if you're good. You know what I mean? But it's like, you know, but and, and the thing is you, you're trying to make it relative um, to these kids. But for me, it's like you like to see that confirmation. It's always... Um, it's a hug, man. It's a, it's, it's the light, baby. Oh, my God. It it's is huge. And I got that. So I came up here, said, let's go. And as soon as, the, as soon as we went over, the number one challenge I still have to this day for Win the City is recreating myself. And recreating myself, I think that's needed. You know, you can make a relative to the reason why people are successful in what they do is recreating themselves. Yeah. I mean, reinventing themselves. Look at Snoop Dogg. You know, Snoop Dogg is 78 years old, man. You know what I'm saying? And and, and, and you know what I mean? And you know what I'm saying? He's yeah. still going. He's you know, but you get what I mean? And and the guy is like, you know, man, he's bad. He just put out a gospel album a couple like eight yeah. months ago or something. And he's a chameleon. He, oh like, he, man, he's done, uh, he went from gangster rap to, right? to, to like to some Bob Marley, yeah, music, Snoop like, King like, or Snoop, Snoop Lion, Lion or something, Snoop right? Lion. Snoop Lion. No gospel, and, right? I'm thinking. I'm thinking this guy is something else, but he's yeah. re he's reinventing himself all the time. Wow. So the one thing that was, you know, uh, like I said, currently still to this day a challenge is because you guys mentioned it earlier in the, you know, in the podcast that you guys were visitors under the other organization. Mm -hmm. Well, where did you visit us? In this building. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So now I'm the same pastor, right? You know what I mean? Um, in this same building, different name. Mm -hmm. It's hard for people to turn, turn the page on that. Mm -hmm. It's hard because I'm... Um, as much as you want to believe that God is changing and doing some things, sometimes we're so, you know, stuck on what we can see. We're like, yeah, man, I, you know, it's almost like barbells and briefcase. Now, I know you guys, you know what I mean? Quality stand-up guys, you know what I mean? I really love what you guys stand for. Now, if you guys change the name, I'm still going to think barbells and briefcase in the back of my mind. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, everyone's barbells and briefcase. And I'm going to make everything relative towards that, you know? So with the church, there's still some challenges like, Things that we used to say is, hey, and I'm not talking about like biblical. I'm just talking about what, where God's taking us. We used to have eight doors open, and now God said, you just need to focus on three. So the other five doors are no longer open, and people are still knocking at the other five doors like, why are we not over there? Because that's not what we do anymore. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And so now people don't understand. How come? Because that's not what we do anymore. You know? Yeah, you're just recreating. You're reinventing. And so, well, why was it good back then? Why is it good now? Huh? Just like we thought that outfit that we wore 10 years ago looked cool. You know what I'm saying? It was cool when we put it on 10 years ago. But when we look at the Flashback Friday pictures, we're like, what the heck was I thinking putting I think on this? Really, yeah, yeah. You know? I think it really comes down to the value. That's where it comes down to, how much yeah. value you're giving Change out is hard for a lot of people, yeah. though. Yeah. You know, and or any organization. I remember uh, I worked at a, we had this championship team at, back at this bank that I worked at, and 
I mean, we won this Disneyland trip like back to back to back. Nice. And then when we got a new boss, I mean, he was cool. I mean, but he was awesome, but it just, it just changed. And there was a lot of resistance. Like, yeah. we used to do things this way. Mm-hmm. And and so change is just hard for, <laughs> yeah. hard for everybody. Yeah. Yeah, you, you, you get into that. I've been uh, worked for a biotech company and then um, got promoted to supervisor. And the same guys I used to go out to lunch with and just kind of hang out with because we're on salary. You know, you come back, just got to get the work done. You know, some days you'll be done early. Let's go home early. Some days you have to stay late. You weren't going to get paid more because we're on salary, right? So we kind of understood. We give and take. Sometimes I go to the gym, play some, pick up basketball at, you know, ha- um, at lunchtime. But, uh, man, I got promoted to uh, supervisor, and I started asking these guys, hey, man, can you come back a little early? Oh, okay, you want us to come back early now? Oh, you know, yeah, okay, boss, man. Yeah, okay, okay, boss. You know, okay, senior manager. Like, I'm not the senior manager, dude. I'm just a supervisor. You know, so they were doing that because of the fact change just showed up. And all of a sudden, people just, you know, um, Jesus, going back to um, what the Word of God says. Jesus himself said, a prophet is not a prophet in his own home. What does that mean is that um, the world can respect you. They can see what you're doing, right? But inside your own kind of like friend and, you know, circle, some people can never see anybody different. I mean, there's still people that see me and I'm not trying to act like, hey, respect me. Okay, I'm the man of God. I'm anointed, you know. No. But the thing is, I go down to San Francisco and I bump into people that just see me the same way. What's up, fool? You know what I'm saying? And I'm like, hey, don't, don't. You know, don't call me that. I'm not fool, okay? I'm, no. They're like, what's up, fool? I'm like, hey, what's up, fool? You know what I'm saying? Because I know, okay, that's what we're going to do. You know, that's where we're at. That's how, you, yeah. that's how we knew each other. And so, for me, eh, you know what I mean? I, it's to each his own. But reinventing and recreating yourself, I think that's a constant challenge. I mean, you guys, I know you guys know being part of business and Netflix. And, you know, we can go all around to Blockbuster and all those things. What happened? When you don't recreate yourself, man, you slowly start to diminish right. it fade out and so one thing is and um this is a great great quote that i heard it's something that um man it's just changed my life is that it's possible to be successful doing the wrong thing mm-hmm. it's very possible that you can be successful in life doing the wrong thing the enemy or 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 the challenge in life nothing would be greater than him is to rob you of your god-given destiny and detour you and get you to land somewhere and arrive somewhere that's not your destination. You know, there's something that's in all of us, man, that God wants to, you know, really establish. And sometimes we're just settling for whatever we do. Because why? Because because we're just led that way, you know. And so sometimes when you know that that's me, hey, uh, man, you got to be you got to be real, not not confident. You know, people say I'm trying to be confident. There's no trying in confidence. Yeah. You're either confident or you're not. Yeah. There's not like I got to work on my confidence. No. You just got to know it. You know what I'm saying? And and, and that's what I am. Uh, I'm confident, not cocky. I'm convinced that who God called me to be, I'm very, you know. It takes a great leader to be able to shift big change. Mm. It's like like you can't be a mediocre leader and, and, and expect change to be consistent. I mean, there's going to be challenges, but it's not an easy task. So it does yeah. take a special kind of person. And, yeah. and you're that man. You're that guy. Yeah. So. When, when, we, when we came out here to start the ministry, it was it was a it was a couple that came to San Francisco and said, "Can we can we start the church here in Vegas?" And so by starting the church here in Vegas, they wanted me to pastor it. When we moved over here, the guy who who wanted us to start the church when we moved over here, he was my only like source of kind of like I don't know Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. Matter of fact, when we came, it wasn't for church. 
when I used to come from San Francisco, man, you know. And so my thing was, is like, I, I don't, I don't want to be, you know, I don't want to be in Las Vegas, man. I don't like it. And so when we came here, the guy and his wife um, at the time, they're not no longer together. This guy who was actually really close to me in San Francisco and moved over here, started to go around Las Vegas when we started the church and tell people that I was a thief, that I was, you know, doing like faulty stuff. And now, mind you, I, I housed this guy at a, a certain point in time, you know, took care of him, um, didn't do anything worthy of that. And I came out here to Las Vegas and I'm thinking, I uprooted my whole family. You know, my youngest was two at the time, you know. He's in diapers, man, you know. And um, my youngest ones, man, they're running the church. Like my, my oldest daughter at the time, she's tw she's 12 or 11. Wow. And um, the thing is, she's running our sound. Like she's our media person. My my wife's running the laptop to put the screens on. And so May, um, at the time, she's what? She's 17 now, nine years ago, eight. She's eight on our praise and worship. So like my, my family's full in, you know, in this whole move. And so I went, I went to God and I said, why would you bring me all the way to Las Vegas and have this guy badmouth me? You know, like, that's not cool. And this is what the Lord gave me. He said, um, I wanted to make sure you felt that early to understand you don't put your hope in anyone else other than me. And for me, that was a reassurance to know that you can't, you can't put your eyes on people because as long as you, you need Jesus plus anything else, you'll never have enough. Jesus has to be enough. Once you need Jesus plus a paycheck, Jesus plus a career, Jesus plus health, Jesus plus... All those things come with Jesus. But so long as you need Jesus plus another gig, Jesus plus another podcast, you're never going to be content, man. And I was the type that is going back to the beginning of the podcast. I was the, always the one looking for approval. That young boy that really never healed and didn't understand. I was still that young boy trying to, hey, you like me, John? You like yeah. me? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, let's go grab something to eat. Where you want to go? Where you want to go? I'll go where you want to go, man. But really, I want to go to In-N-Out. He wants to go to whatever, you know? Like, And I'm like, I want to go to In-N-Out, but I don't care, you know? And now we're going somewhere else. And I was that guy, you know? And so it just it, it just, it just transferred over. And and now I just, I look back at it and I said, man, God was, um, God was doing something way back then, you know what I mean? And uh, showing me through that. So he brought me all the way up here. And um, used used them to open up the door, but I thank God because without that couple that was there, and they they eventually left the church. Without that couple, I would have never met you. Yeah. You know, I would have never met yeah. Randall. I would have never met all these great people that I'm connected with today. So you don't understand why you go through things. You're just trying to trust God. You know what I mean? So that your faith would just continue to just I have a quick question build for up. you. Um, you said your biggest challenge was this transition of this church. Yes, sir. What remained, kept you remaining on course? I know a lot of people, a lot of our listeners, they're so confused on what direction to go in. What kept you on that course? I'm sure you've been through a lot of worry, yeah. a lot of pain. Yeah. What got you through? What made you stick that, that discipline, that confidence you were talking about? What were the key rituals? Or yeah, what, why'd you what, stay? Why don't you yeah. just pack your stuff and leave? You know, the thing is, uh, and it's, it's kind of crazy to admit this, because uh, I love the Lord. Um, I believe that, you know, I am called, you know, as, as a pastor, but this is kind of, um, I don't know, this is the first time I'm ever going to, you know, say this, but I just think it's a, it's a great time to say it. I've never been as close to God as I am today. And the reason why I could say that is because of what I went through. I honestly believe if I didn't hit that, that, that stumbling block, I would have never excelled in my, my relationship with God. Mm -hmm. The thing that kept me on was solely trusting in him. The number one bondage to everybody, I don't care what, what, what are you, where you're in. If you're in a relationship, if you're married, 
if you're if you're a businessman, if you're in ministry, I believe the number one bondage is trying to be a people pleaser. It's trying to always fulfill other people's expectations. I believe social media plays a huge part in that. Mm -hmm. You know, we try to play, put put you know who we want our representative. You know, it's it's and we actually uh, transform into that person. You know, when in actuality, I've seen somebody post, man, I, I have uh, I have friends on Facebook that don't like me. They like me in fake life, but they don't like me in real life. You know what I mean? And you kind of look at them like, they like your fake life. It's like they like you on, you know, social media, but they don't like you in real life. And sometimes you don't know how to distinguish the two. And so for me, I caught myself continuing trying to be a people pleaser, not knowing I was, you know. And so for me, what kept me going was not caring honestly about anything else because I got to the point where, you know, you mentioned worry. In the year of uh, 2018, I had over 20 25 um er visits for 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 um i'm talking about minor like uh i thought i had a minor heart attack multiple times i had to jump out of my car on, on sahara and my wife you know just hauled hauled all the way over to the er i think a mountain vista and um or wherever we were at i forget sierra vista or something like that and we went to the er and the guy was over me he said man i think you're having a big one man and how old are you 40 yeah man i think you're having a big one man and um at that time i didn't know what was going on they had diagnosed me with vertigo and um they said that you know i i had vertigo and it's not healing you know and then i had sleep apnea and then all these kind of things and so w w why i'm saying um what kept me going was not only not only spiritually was I attacked, but physically my body took a toll. Because every time you go through any kind of major life changes, you don't know it, but your body absorbs that, you know. And um, I didn't know the blows that I was taking, you know, during that time. Because once again, I was so caught, you know what I mean? I had kids to be concerned about. Meanwhile, I'm putting my first child uh, through college, you know, and we're expecting scholarships and everything at the time. And that, that didn't pan out, you know, at the time. So we're like, okay, we're going to fund this. I got a ministry to run. We're in a major transition. You know what I mean? Uh, currently just purchased our house. So there's major things that are surface, just. you got to be like, I'm good. Right? <laughs> exactly. I'm good. Exactly. And you got to be, hello, everybody. Hope all is well. Right. You know what I mean? And um, and so those were the major things. And I started to be concerned. What will people think? You know, will they think that their pastor is not full of faith if I step out for a couple of weeks? And, you know, and I'm, I'm teaching uh, 50 Maybe 51 weeks out of 52. I'm taking maybe one week off, you know, with the family. And uh, I'm teaching multiple times. I teach two services. I teach multiple classes. I counsel. I do marriages. You know what I'm saying? Um, I'm flying, doing speaking engagements all over, you know, the U.S. And so that that's part of what it is. But I didn't understand the toll that it was taking. So what got me to this point was while I was doing all those things, I had somewhat of a relationship with God. But right now, I, I actually look forward to my time that I spend with the Lord because of what I went through. So if anyone is going through whatever kind of situation, I encourage you to find a relationship with God. You know, there, you know, that's so like, uh, it's general, but there's nothing that can replace that. You know, the Bible says in Proverbs, it says, um, hope deferred makes the heart sick. You know, I, I'm, I love football, man, you know, and, um, the thing about football is um, usually when you win the, the coin toss, you usually defer because you want the ball in the second half. So in those kind of things, when you defer, you're saying, nah, I don't want it because we have a better plan. You know what I'm saying? We're going to get the ball back at the halftime. We're going to run the show and finish the game. But it's amazing how the Bible puts it. It says hope deferred makes the heart sick. So whenever you start to catch yourself 
that your heart is sick, that you're feeling some kind of symptoms of it, you got to look back at what's taking place of what made your heart sick because there's always a cause and an effect, yeah? So my heart's sick, what happened? You deferred some kind of hope. And some people, they don't put their hope in anything. And you know, and, you know, and obviously, I want to. I want you to put your hope in Jesus. I want you to put your hope in the right person. But the thing is, how sad and forgive me, but how sad is that to not have your hope in anything? Right. In anything? I mean, what are you gonna? I mean, I, I actually, I'm, I'm thankful because you know, right now, financially, um, I have my hope that okay, at least I got some investments. Um, I own my home. You know, there's some things that I know I have hope that that will you know come to pass. You know, but to not have. Just to wake up every day and be like, okay, you know, here you go. You know, yeah. you you uh, you get sick, you know, God forbid. And then all of a sudden you just, I hope I get better. Man, what's the hope that you have, you know? So my, my thing is find a relationship with God, man, and um, and pick up a dialogue. Some people think, well, I don't know what to say. Well, you have, you have to start off, you know, he respects like, it. It's just like uh, somebody sees a girl across the room, like, I want to go talk to her. Like, yeah. I don't know what to say. I mean, yeah. go say something. Like, go say it's something. the same relationship. Right? Yeah, I'm embarrassed. <laughs> go say something. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Maybe she's into the embarrassed type, but I don't know, you know? <laughs> uh, one thing I want to talk about is the culture here um, at When the City. Everybody's so family-oriented. Everyone's yeah. loving. Um, everybody, you know, I mean, there's people that knew, knew my name, and I didn't know theirs yeah, yeah. sometimes. and. And there's just this warm and awesome culture here. I want to talk. I want you to talk about uh, how you create, how that culture was created. Yeah. Uh, was it by accident or was yeah. it was it intentional? Because yeah. I know some people are. Um, I know that in my agency, that that positive environment is huge. Huge. I, I feel the vibe is off in the office. I'm just like, what's going on here? Like, you know, yeah. I'm trying to shake it up real quick. Mm -hmm. I think so, that's what people are looking for in their lives: an organization, a football yeah. team. Yeah, so, you know, to be a part of that loving environment, the consistency. And yeah, I think you you bring that. Yeah, that culture, that, that structure. How, it is. How how was the culture here created? You know, it's funny. We we started uh, going back eight years. We're um, fundraising, so we're selling at the rugby sevens. I think it was at Sam Boyd. So they have every March they have this big tournament, the rugby tournament, the seven on seven tournament. So we went. We don't, you know, we're not from Vegas. So we're like, hey, a bunch of Polynesians and stuff going to be over there. We're going to do a fundraiser. We're, we're just going to throw our first youth conference. So we needed some money, you know. And so I'm like, okay, you know, um, I don't think we can raise how much we need for our youth conference when we only have uh, four people going to church, six of them, you know, uh, other than 10, but six of my family, four are, you know, some people that are not committed yet. So I'm like, let's go out there and, you know, and, and, and raise some funds. So we went out there and I started talking to a guy, right? And the guy goes, yeah, man. I said, um, okay. So he didn't know I was a pastor, didn't know none of that. And then I go, um, man, you go to church? Because that was going to be my, like, you know, now, hey, man, won't you check out, you know, this place? And, and then uh, he goes, yeah. And then I go, okay, now for me, as soon as I hear that, that you go to church, I just got to put this on record, I back out. Why do I say that? It's because there's too many people that need Jesus that don't know him. Instead of trying to go after, you know what I mean? Like, I'm not this, you know, like, you go to, man, people are cutthroat, and, and especially, you know, you go to, I went to Winco, and God bless their heart, you know? I went to Winco, and they're like, hey, man, at Albertsons, it's 289 a pound, you know what I mean? And um, Smith's, it's 255 a pound, but here, it's 199, you know? You know what I mean? They'll throw your name out there, you know? And so, anyways, I remember back in the days, they couldn't do that on commercials. Like, they had a guy dressed up like Ronald McDonald, but yeah. they couldn't do the M. They'll right. do like a W, exactly. you know what I mean? So, you get the idea. But they couldn't do that nowadays. They'll just straight up tell you McDonald's is serving yeah. frozen food, you know. Right. And um, so I, I asked the guy. I was like, "Does he go to church?" He goes, "Yeah." So I, I, I backed out. I said, "So 
um, what, what, what caused you to go to that church when he told me? He goes, I was driving by and there was a sign on the back, uh, on the side of the church and it says, everyone is welcome. And I'm like, carry on. You know what I mean? And he's like, that's it. And I was like, because you saw a sign that says everyone is welcome. He goes, yes, because I've been to a lot of churches and not everyone feels welcome. Mm. Wow. And I thought, so you I said, I said, let's make everyone feel welcome, man. Let's let's do the best we can to embrace and um, make people feel like I'm talking about get to know their names. Um, I remember working a valet at um, in the W Hotel in San Francisco, and then I worked for a biotech company in uh, South San Francisco. It was the number one business or number one company to work for morale wise in the entire world, you know. And um, we had Stevie Wonder uh, in our break room for like appreciation day. You know, these guys just playing the piano. We had Elton John piano being lowered down. And from him being in a helicopter, this guy jumps on Piano Man. And we had Mariah Carey. We had um, Matchbox 20, Maroon 5. They would do that. And my kids would come to these, like, events and ask me, Daddy, can you get $20? What do you need $20 for? Because we want some food. Everything's free. And I'm talking about huge. They would just rent AT&T Park where the Giants play. And they would put a bunch of snow, have snow. We could take a piece of the field home. You got any concession stand. I mean, they did it. And so I took a little piece of everything that I've, I've been a part of. And I said, you know what? Let me take that. And what's worked for them can work for us. And so when I worked at the W Hotel, we we used to, um, we were notified when we check in the, the guest. We would check in the guest and say, you know, Osaka, right? So, hi, Mr. Osaka. And so I'll go on and think, Mr. Osaka's coming in. You know what I mean? So as soon as you come in the door, Mr. Saka, welcome. Yeah. And because they make two, three, four connections, that's proven to bring back business. Now where you're an established customer. And I thought, wow. And it's the first touches that you're supposed to be. You know, you're supposed to make that. And you see it all over. I mean, in, in all kind of business. When you don't get acknowledged when you walk in somewhere. It's just like, Does something. You, guys want, you guys want my money? Like, like, yeah. like, it's like McDonald's or like, you know, hey. there's a huge difference between McDonald's and yeah. Chick-fil-A. Yes. <laughs> yes. There's a huge difference. Yes. I mean, you know, I, I don't know, man. Call me, you know, I don't want to say petty, but I'm looking for a goodbye when I walk out. You know what I'm saying? Like when I walk out and I see you look at me and don't goodbye. You know what I'm saying? I was just at 24-hour uh, fitness last night. Oh, no, uh, early yesterday morning. And and when I walk out, you know what I mean? Now, I ended up going to the wrong 24-hour because I was running some uh, errands by by Down Rainbow. And it was a super sport. Well, I don't have that access. And the guy goes, hey, man, you can work out today. But, you know, moving forward, you're going to need to upgrade your pass. And I was like, I'm, I'm never down this way anyway, so let me just walk in. And I'm thinking, what do I need to upgrade my passport? You know, walk in there. They got rolled towels, right? And I'm thinking, oh, everybody? So you get in the locker room. Everybody got towels. I'm like, nice. You know what I mean? <laughs> Long lockers. Yeah. I'm like, nice. There's <laughs> somebody walking in there, and they're like, hey, everything good? You good, buddy? I'm like, really good. And I'm like, oh. You know what I'm saying? So when I walk downstairs, the, the manager, like, uh, you know, somebody in, 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 you know, position of authority walks out, and I see him in the corner of my eye, and he glances over at the reception desk, and he signals the guy, and the guy goes, good afternoon, sir. Have a great day, you know? And I was like, wow, man, these guys are on all those things. And I said, that's why you pay more money. And that's then I started, crazy. right, I started looking at all those things. That's why Disney's never on sale. Oh, yeah. 
I, you know, they offer that. They I offer used, that environment. I used to think uh, I would never pay. Like I thought, the, I found out the price of Lifetime Fitness, and I was like, I'll never, <laughs> yeah. never spend over a hundred dollars on a membership. I went, I saw that bad boy one time. Yeah, but the water fountain tastes like Fiji water. <laughs> like, oh, they had razors in the bathroom. Yeah, shaving. I was like, man, all right, how much it cost again? Yeah, I'm gonna sign up. Right. It's something about the experience. It's funny about that because I, I always share with the church that one time we went to Disneyland. And um, my son had spilled some water. And, I, you know, I got upset. You know, I was like, hey, man. You know, so I'm, I'm grabbing him. You know, I'm like, you know, man, you're making a mess. And this guy walks up to me that works there. And he has a broom, uh, like, a, you know, a broom. And, and, and he walks up, excuse me, no. And he gets the broomstick and he paints Mickey ears with the water. And he goes, it's the happiest place on earth. Man, I felt like this small, man. You know what I'm saying? And then I walk away and I still, I still told my son. You shouldn't, you still shouldn't have spilled that water. You know what I mean? But in my mind, I'm like, this dude turned something that I was going to make a problem into like, no worries, man. Right. You know? And I'm like, that's why I gave you 1300 for our family trip. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, now I know why I paid it, you know? But you start wondering why you do those things. It, you said it earlier in the podcast. It's value. Yeah. You know? And, and there has to be, um, I taught something a while ago entitled uh, Value for Value. There has to be something, you know, um, that you give up. And whatever you give up, say, for instance, there's an exchange for everything you do. So I eat the, you know, and I don't want to even, you know, get serious. And I just, just using easy terms. I eat a four by four uh, burger from uh, In-N-Out, right? Well, I've just, I, for that value of it, four by four, maybe eight bucks or something, I've now given up a little piece of my health. You know what I mean? So that exchange, that value, everything has an exchange rate, you know, in life. And so... You come to this, and now you 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 place a value, and that's why I believe that's why um, the Bible says it's better to give than to receive, and it's not because all oh, you know what I'm saying is oh yeah he, you know God always wants your stuff no, um, for God so loved the world that He gave because He placed a value on it. He saw the world had a value. He put a value on it. But we're living in a day and age, man. You want something for nothing. We want relationships to blossom. What did you put in it? We want we want marriages to blossom. What did you invest in it? Because you'll only get what you put in. You know what I mean? And so people just they want something too fast. I mean, we've been a part of that. You know, unfortunately, that's the that's the ugly part of ministry. You know, you get people that come in here and they say, "What can you guys do for me? What can you do?" As long as you have all these events that you're just like giving away, giving away, people are all for it. But as soon as you start teaching them. Hey, man, instead of handing out fish, let's teach you now how to fish. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I heard one person say, we can give you a fish, you'll eat for today. We can teach you a fish. Uh, we can teach you how to fish, and you'll, you know, you'll, you'll eat for a lifetime. Then somebody said, but you can buy the pond and fish anytime you want. I mean, there's all kind of different scenarios. But some people, they just it's what their value is. It's like, I'm entitled. Um, I mean, you know, we, we came here, and I know this might sound bad, but we came here, and I was always, I had good jobs all my life. I was blessed with good jobs. Um, as soon as, you know, I got that right, you know, and my daughter was born, I said, you know, man, I'm blessed to have these jobs, biotech company and W Hotel and all this stuff. When we came up here, man, we had to start with nothing. I had to swallow my pride and go on government assistance, man, welfare, TANF, EBT, food stamp. That does something to your pride, man. Yeah. You know, <laughs> Joyce Meyer, I'm reading Battlefield of the Mind inside this TANF office, man. And everybody's in there like, you know, and I'm, and once again, I'm not trying to sound mean, but this is my own experience. People are like demanding this system to pay them. They're like, oh, you know, I should get more. And I got three kids, four kids, five kids. Man, when you start looking at it as something that you're entitled to, you miss it, mm-hmm. you know. And I don't even want to get deep because some people, they do need that assistance. They really do. 
But for the people who look at it like, well, you know, it's okay. I can make decisions because they're always, you don't place a value on it. You don't right. place a value. You got to go out and get it. You that's, got that's to. Our, that's our, our hustle, right? Yeah. yeah. That's what we preach. That's what we're all about, going out and getting that value and yeah. giving and you can receive. Yeah. So. You can offer that, you know, so but you're right. Mm. So we are, we're, we're, we're probably got time for two more questions. Okay. Um, I want to, geez, it's tough because there's like four, there's like five questions left, yeah. but we'll sum it down to two. Um, what, what makes a great leader, in your opinion? Being an example of what you teach. Um, I think bottom line, um, I'm listening to this uh, pastor. Um, his name is Craig Groeschel. Um, if you haven't listened to him, his podcast is tremendous, man. And he always ends off his podcast with, remember, everyone that, fo- he, everyone that follows a leader would much rather follow a leader who is always real than a leader that was always right. You know, And for me, I'd much follow somebody that is real because you're going to miss the mark. You know, you're going to, you know, oh, kind of thought that I, you know, misjudged it, you know. But being real, you you know what you deal with. And so for me, I believe that every leader um, should have influence. That That's what you, yeah. you know. You, and leaders are not, they're not, uh, you know, leaders are not, you know, they're, they're born. No, 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 no. There, there's leader in every one of us. Mm-hmm. If you say, hey, let's go to 7-Eleven and, and you call somebody and say, all right, you've just influenced somebody to go a certain right. direction. So that's lower level mm-hmm. leadership, yeah? That's as little as that. Yeah, yeah. But that's all you need. And so the thing is that once you start believing more, believing more, um, for me, that influence, it comes from the word influenza, right? Which is the flu, which is contagious, you know? As a leader, you have to be contagious. If you're a leader and you're trying to produce more followers, you're not a true leader because a true leader's call is to produce more leaders, mm-hmm. you know? Leaders that create leaders. Leaders that create leaders. Mm-hmm. And it's not supposed to be something that, and if you're, and if, and if you're a leader and you look back and, and there is no followers though, you're just taking a walk. You're, you're not you're not leading anyone, you know, into this next level. And so for me, leadership, every great leader should do what they say. Paul said um, when in, in Acts 16, when God showed up to Saul, when Saul, he was persecuting Christians. This guy was like killing people, man. He would kill their grandparents. He would kill like the entire like lineage, like every every person with the name Saka, he would just knock off. So it would be like, no more, you, you know, exist. you didn't exist. Yeah. The guy, would, and Christians, he, you, you have the nerve to say, oh, I just went to this service, excuse me, off with your head. This guy was no no joke. So he was on the road to Damascus, and God showed up to him, and and and, and, and he, or Jesus showed up, and he said, you know, why are you, why are you persecuting me? And, and, and Saul's like, what do you mean why I persecute me? Um, you know, who are you? He said, I'm Jesus. You know, you, you, you've been persecuting me. And, and this is what he told um, Paul. He said, he said, don't run away from your calling. Now, this guy been killing people. What call are you talking about? But Jesus saw the leader in him, you know. And so Jesus, when he spoke to Saul, he said, don't run away from your calling. And this is what he said. I'm going to make you a minister. Now, when you look at that word minister, most of us picture a pastor, a person of a, you know, of the, a clergy, you know, a man of the cloth or whatever, how you want to say it. But the word minister comes from the word administer. And that word administer, right, is to bring order to. It's to serve. When you have, a, when you have something, the administration is supposed to serve you, you know. And so the thing is, if you ever want to be a good leader, you never ask anybody something that you wouldn't do yourself first. And that's why I believe Jesus is by far the best leader possible. Because he never asked anybody to do something he did not do. 
You know, he went all the way to the cross believing in what he was called to do. You know, he went to Gethsemane and he said, Father, take this cup. He even showed us, listen, every leader, you're going to have anxieties. You're going to have hard times. You're going to have those dark nights. The Bible said he was sweating bullets of blood. In John 21, 25, the Bible says if they put everything that Jesus did in, uh, in, in, in books, they wouldn't have enough libraries in the world. Mm -hmm. That's crazy to think about. So that means the Bible... And this may give me, you know, this may get a couple remarks, you know, back for saying this. I truly believe the Bible is Jesus's Instagram, you know, mm -hmm. because just like our Instagram, you don't just post anything. You know, we're in a day and age. Hey, let's get into selfie real quick. And then all of a sudden, hey, can I see? You know what I mean? Because, you, you know, hey, man, you, you a filter, you know, oh, take it from a little higher. Or give me this. <laughs> you don't just post anything random like, you know, and post. And I hope everybody understands what that was. So when Jesus put things in, when, when the word was in the Bible, if you can find it in the word, it wasn't by accident. So if anxieties, and I'm not trying to get in that, but if anxieties and things like that were not designed to, you know, to be part of the leader's, you know, everyday uh, challenge, he wouldn't have put it in there. But he showed us how to deal with those things, you know. He said, go to the Lord, Father, take this cup away. And he goes, not my will, but your will be done. So he just submitted his will. But it's just, uh, it's just amazing how God showed us through his son Jesus, you know, which is, you know, uh, the ultimate leader. Yeah, I was going to say that. He's the ultimate. He's he's the example, and I don't think anything else can beat that. And if I could say one more thing on that that topic, because I'm so that one just triggers something in me. John the Baptist was baptizing. He would tell people about this Jesus that's to come, and when Jesus came, the first thing John said was, "Man, I gotta baptize you." You know, or you know, he said, "Baptize me." He said, "Jesus, baptize me," because he looked at him, "You're a man of all authority," and Jesus said, "No, I came here not to be served." but to serve. And he said, I must baptize you to fulfill all righteousness. So think about it. This great, you know, like it's like Jesus right now coming out to us. And then he's telling it, he's like, John, go ahead, baptize me. You're going to be like, what? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, no, Jesus, man, you need to. What he was saying was, I'm introducing myself. I'm not coming in as an authority. I'm coming in as an example. And right when he, worked, right when he performed that first thing, the Bible said the heavens opened up and God said, this is my son whom I'm well pleased didn't do one miracle yet. But what moved God to respond? Him being an example, you know? So I think for every leader, we got too many people that like to point the finger and show everybody where to go. But show I believe, us. show us, man. You know what I mean? Show us and walk it out, you know? So today, I mean, there's people out there right now um, in, in our ministry um, that are practicing for this, you know, what we have, these upcoming events and productions. It used to be me and my wife all the time with that. But now... We've got the momentum going where people have understood you don't know you no longer need to do everything per se. You know what I mean? That you have help because why? Because we were the example first. And it's much easier to tell somebody now, hey, um, like if I reach out to Randall, say, Hey Randall, you know, can you he has no no issues with that. Why? Because he saw that I've I've done that. But it's hard to tell people like, Yeah, man, you know, go do that. And then in the back of their mind, dude, you never yeah. do what you say, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. That's powerful. Well, thank you. Um, I think highly of you as a leader. So, so thank that you. was uh, that was a good one. Thank you. Good answer. All right, let's sum it up. Let's sum this. So, yeah, just ask. There's two. I think there's two. <laughs> all right. This. All right. If you have to, what are, what are and for the sake of time, let's try to condense it as, yeah. as small as possible. What are three things that that you think people could do today to drastically improve their life? I uh, mentioned it earlier, one, um, try to get three. I got a couple, but if you can just do three, 
I think one would be have a relationship with God. Um, I mentioned earlier Proverbs, you hope deferred makes the heart sick. You got to have some kind of cast your care on him, you know. Um, there's too many people that say, oh, yeah, I give all my worries to God, but you're still worrying. So that's like saying, um, where's your jacket? I'll let him borrow it, but you're wearing it. You know what I mean? It's like, I can see you wearing it. How you give it to somebody else? So the number one thing I think everybody should have is a relationship with God. I think number two, <laughs> now I don't want to say it's a close first, you know. I mentioned all this during the podcast, but be delivered from being a people pleaser. I mean, what you achieve is what you achieve. Stop putting up these false expectations. And I'm not saying don't have goals, man. What I'm saying is be be content, not passive. Be content where you are. Stop trying to live up to the expectations of him, him, him. No, you weren't designed to be like anybody else. You're a, you're an awesome uh, original. You're a, you're a, you're a horrible duplicate, man. You know what I'm saying? And the thing is, is that you 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 were never created to be like anyone else. We're uniquely made. You know what I mean? So my thing is, and this is my own personal experience, man. It's so free to be delivered from people pleasing. Like, um, I hope everybody likes this podcast. But if if there is an if there's an option of getting like three thumb or you know like a couple thumbs of thumbs, up, down, thumbs down, down and yeah. stuff, and then it's, it's three thumbs down and like zero thumbs up. I'm cool. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm going to go. I'm still planning to go on a trip in Tampa in January. I'm still going to live my life. And I'm still going to buy my wife these. You know, I'm going to go buy her a gift tomorrow for Christmas. And it's like, my life's still going, man, all right. You know, meaning I used to be so hung up on that. And a lot of people, they're, you know, they're, they're just so concerned about minor things. And and for me, it's like, I don't know. You just, you just, need, to, you just need to really step back and realize it's not that serious. The third one, be where your feet are. Stop if you're if you're at a football game. Man, you don't need to record that whole game. Mm-hmm. Put your phone away. Take a couple of memory pictures. But this is the greatest, this is the greatest roll of film, man. It, you know what I mean? Mind. For your mind, you know. There was something that wasn't captured. We had a we had a Christmas party yesterday, a staff Christmas party. And nobody filmed the food, man. We had Olive Garden. Uh, cater it. It was great, you know. They had all kind of stuff. Uh, uh, organic um, Alfredo sauce and organic um, breadsticks. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but we had um, like a bunch of you know healthy stuff and like meatballs and and um, sausages <laughs> and stuff. But um, but we we had we had all this. Nobody recorded it. Uh-huh. And my wife goes like my wife goes last night. She's looking at all the pictures. You know, we're just on a natural high. You know, and uh, nobody nobody recorded the food. You know, because she wants to post it. Nobody records the food. I was like, but everybody ate, right? Yeah, it was just for us, you know? And sometimes we're so concerned, once again, about making sure that everybody sees it. Now, I'm guilty of it. I'm at my daughter's practice, right? And I caught myself. She's playing soccer, beautiful field, Henderson side. Um, And it's private field, you know? She's got a scholarship, man. It was our breakthrough, man. First kid that got a scholarship, you know, and... And I'm like, wow, she's seventh grader, uh, soccer. And um, I caught myself. I'm on my, I'm on my phone. I have my iPad, and I'm watching the Warriors game. And then, uh, and then right away, I felt like the Lord just turned it off. Be present. Go there. You know what I mean? Yeah. Why are you there, just waiting to pick her up? Like, you're never gonna have this again. Yeah. You know what I mean? And the thing is, is that sometimes we just don't stop and be where our feet are. I mean, like for me, I'm because you know you mentioned earlier, like you know you're a busy guy, and 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 yeah, but. That doesn't mean that 
You should be so busy but unproductive. You know, you're doing yourself a disservice, you know. And I, I don't even want to get into this topic, but we had um, a neuroscientist in our church by the name of Dr. Caroline Leaf. We had her at a, at a conference. Wonderful mm, teacher, man. Yeah. And she comes in there and she says, the mind was not designed to multitask. Oh, man, but we take pride. I, I'm a multitasker. You know what I mean? I can do multiple things at multiple times and multiple, you know. Dude, you're confusing. Quality. Yeah. There it is, man. Yeah, I'll stop talking to somebody. As soon as they pull the phone out, I'm like, oh, you checked out. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. I do that to my wife, man. And, um, you know, and vice versa, she does it to me. You know, she'll say something and she'll, oh, it's okay. And I'm like, no, no, no. And then I try to, you know, tell my phone. I heard what you said. You said we're going to go at nine. We're going to pick up the kids at six. And she's like, no, I don't want you to just repeat it back, man. Be here. Oh, my yeah. God, lucky. And then I'm like, you know, I try to like explain myself the whole time. No, what I was saying was, I, I got to get back to him because he's driving. You know, I always would try to justify the thing. But in, in, in reality, man, you got to be where your feet are. And the thing is, is that wherever you're at, just be there. I mean, I took recently, I took my my two youngest because my two oldest, uh, they completely just um, I almost I almost gave them up, you know, as children because they don't want to be 49er fans. So I almost, you know, like, you know, went down to City Hall and saw, like, how can I get rid of those two? But my youngest two, I still can. We still can salvage their, you know, their hope in, in the 49ers. So I took them on a on, on a daddy daughter and son trip you know and uh, we went to the 49ers and saw the game uh, play he, my son loves uh odell so we went to go watch it. it was a new york giants they ended up getting us at the end it was a great time man we filmed it we filmed it we had a drop top convertible right we filmed it went to the pier my son was like daddy you grew up here and why don't you want to live here and in my mind I was like it's too expensive you know but i was like oh you know daddy you know a pastor in las vegas but i'm like you know you see the traffic over here you know what i'm saying you know but you know but anyways but what I'm saying is in that time, priceless, man. Yeah. Priceless. And I filmed us renting a scooter, um, driving around Pier 39. I filmed us in, you know, under the uh, Coit, you know, by Coit Tower, by Alcatraz. Other than that, I got something, man, I can never, ever forget. And yeah. and that that has that has been one of the things that, and, and all those th three things that, that I'm saying, it sounds like, oh, I got a good grasp on it. It's a challenge every day, yeah. every day to do that, man. Yeah. Especially the last one. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, I mean, oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, people say have a relationship with God. He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But continuing to have it. Yeah. Some people, they base their relationship. You know, they they, they, they almost call in that. Oh, um, I I've, I I have said it and I've, I went to God and repented. I've, I've said some people only go to God um, when it's bad because you need bad things to happen for you to go to God. So you wait for bad things to happen or you wait for good things to happen to recognize God. No, you need to you need to understand that God is the same yesterday, today and forever. He's. He's not a God that's situational. Um, he'll be a schizophrenic God. You know, in the book of Acts, he says that he's not a respecter of persons. But in Hebrews, he says, without faith, it's impossible to please him. So that means I don't, I'm not his favorite. But the thing is, is that he says he respects faith. So that's where it is. You know what I mean? And so um, I'm going to work my faith. I'm going to work my principles and things like that. And that's obviously God is pleased with it. You know what I mean? But he loves me either way. And um, God is there, man. He's there in our highs and lows and always man and, and i can attest to that i've had some people that say bro i got your back uh, they haven't you know what i mean and god and, and i know i haven't been the greatest friend too but one person that's never let me down man is god man so. I, I love the three that you gave um and, and the first two actually are tied together a mm -hmm. lot more than, than you would think because yeah. 
the closer you, the closer, in my opinion, yeah, know, yeah, the closer you are to God, the less you care about what other people come on, like you know, so you it's just everything else becomes irrelevant, you know, when you when you when you know yourself, you know, because yeah. I feel like having a having a good relationship with God is having a good relationship with yourself, yeah, and 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 understanding, you know, your your you're trusting what yourself, you're yeah. Believing, yeah, your values, yeah. what you believe in, yeah, being a great, I mean, go on and on, yeah, awesome, um. You've hit on everything. Um, I don't think there's any other questions that uh, um, that I'd like to ask, uh, Fody. No, no, sir. All right. How uh, can our listeners connect, find you, and connect with you, and also Win the City? I don't know if you want them to connect with you personally. Yeah. Oh, no, <laughs> yeah, no. Or, or you know, or through Win the City. But how how can our listeners connect with you? I think the best way is uh, uh, download the app WTCLV. It's on. Um, all your app stores and things like that you can get that i think that's the best way or go to winthecitylv.org all of our service times our information we're streaming live our services um if you're in las vegas we would love for you to come and fellowship with us and um, be able to you know kind of see what we're doing here and kind of participate um there's one thing about streaming in but it's never like being present you know so um man we would love to have you and you know welcome you and hug on you man and just uh love on you real quick but yeah we're here um and you can look up all that information on when the city lv dot uh, org but uh once again, man, thank you guys um, so much, man. This has been a pleasure. Oh, awesome. uh, so much, so much heat. Oh, so much heat. And mm-hmm. you said if you're in Las Vegas, however, a lot of you guys, my, some of you guys, I mean, we, we we get to see where our listeners coming from. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's crazy, like where the, where our listeners come from. Nice. Uh, so even if you're not from Las Vegas, and you know you come out mm-hmm. here for a weekend. You're probably gonna make some bad decisions Friday yeah. and Saturday, yeah. but on Sunday you know where to go. That's it. <laughs> yeah, Baby, yeah. Right get that last decision right, man, and make it here on Sunday. Go home on a good. You know what I'm saying? For real. Absolutely. And so uh, uh, they're also on Instagram at Win the City LV. Yes, as um, well as Facebook, Facebook. Win the City LV. Win the City LV. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, and yourself. Yeah, and you can reach me at um, Instagram. Uh, it's my last name is S I A K I uh, dot L A K I. So it's Siaki Laki on Instagram, as well as uh, Laki Siaki on uh, on Facebook. And we'll uh, we'll tag that in the notes. Um, I think that's all we got. Um, if you enjoyed this podcast, please leave a five star review. Subscribe. Um, if you if uh, if we would love your feedback. Um, if you thought it was amazing, um, leave us a five-star review. Uh, if you have other feedback, you know, please leave some notes. Um, share it. You can follow us on Barbells and Briefcases. We uh, just released some new gear, so if you want to cop some of that. Otherwise, thank you guys so much for tuning in. Until next time.